there, Ruby fans. Welcome to another episode of Ruby Redux here on Rooster Team Radio. Tonight, we are hopping into the Wayback Machine to bring you this special bonus episode of Ruby Redux. Uh, let's not waste any more time. Let me introduce my fantastic co-host. Joining us tonight is the wonderful Katie Cullen. Hi, all my buddies. What what year are we in? What, what year are we in? <laughs> Actively or, or the other thing? I mean, both? It's a valid question. I think we're in 2018. Oh, God. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack with that. We, we are in 2018. We are we are cool. back in the distant time of 2018. Thank I mean, you for clearing that up for me. I mean, it, to be fair, 2018 does feel like it was a literal decade ago. So um, <laughs> it's definitely still a trip into the Wayback Machine. To be fair, at the time of this recording, it was not a literal decade ago. It just feels like it. feels it. like forever. I mean, at the same time, we were also in the same room together for this particular show. Also, uh, hi, I'm the Internet's Mark Pidonica. <laughs> and that's how you know it was eons and eons past. We were all <laughs> able to be in the same room together. <laughs> Oh man. And I'm I'm Megan Salinas. And guys, tonight, uh yeah, we, we're doing something a little different for Ruby Redux. Mark, would you like to explain? So we've heard we've heard the tweets, we've seen the 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 calls, and uh I've had emails delivered to me by Carrier Pigeon. And uh this this uh, episode that we're presenting tonight is a uh, a look at the deleted scenes that were recontextualized as the series known as Ruby Chibi. And uh, because Neon Kambini is coming out very imminently, or maybe by the time you're listening to this, it's already out. Go watch it on Rooster Teeth TV. And is presenting us more of this juicy deleted content that is Ruby Chibi, we decided that we should go back to one of our favorite shows that we did uh, back on our previous platform, back in 2018, and share that with some of the new listeners that may not have had the chance to listen. We wanted to say thank you to our previous platform, AfterBuzz TV, for being the original home of all of our Rooster Teeth-related programming. We're really excited for you guys to get to hear this one, uh, especially for all of you newer listeners who might not have had a chance to hear it in its original form. So, without further ado, take it away, past Megan, Katie, and Mark. Ruby Chibi has been a well, a, just a, a gold mine of all of these answers. Like there, there are all these uh, 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 forgotten storylines, all of these characters that we don't see very often, and and uh, some of these interactions that we don't get in the main thing. And speaking of DVDs and DVD extras, where have these been on every single Ruby? Uh, yeah, I kind of, I kind of feel like you know how there are a lot of lost films in in Hollywood history mm -hmm. that like because film preservation wasn't a thing and then one day somebody just stumbles across like a locker full of these long forgotten films I kind of feel like this is the Ruby equivalent like these were are treasures that were hidden away and somebody just unearthed them I wonder if this isn't something where you know how sometimes uh, animated movies will break out, well, here's our sketchboards, and here's our animatics, and here's our this. 
I wonder if they didn't have these all along and just cleaned them up for our consumption a little. Or, or I think it's something like, um, uh, I forget the, the episode of, of classic Doctor Who where they lost the video and they yes. only had the audio. So there might there might have been something where they had sort of like yeah. with that the the round of the tournament where it was Sun versus Team Sun versus Juniper yeah. that they never yeah. animated. Yeah. This is just a bunch of the stuff that they went, well we have all of the actors have recorded. We ha we have all of this material. How can we present it in a way that's fresh and new and and different? And then that gets you a, a possibly a, little, a new audience, a possibly avant-garde yeah. storytelling, and as in well. a different right. art style. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely a way for their animators to try something new in in the same way that like Camp Camp and a lot of their other two D animated shows are are all different in look and feel. They wanted to give the the anime or perfect example, red versus blue season fourteen. Mm. Like yeah. like just having kind of going on at it at a number of different artistic angles and they they tried one and they decided to stick with it just to make it more distinct from Ruby proper. Now yeah, we're our, I guess the main question is if these are all scenes that were quote unquote cut for time but then transformed in another avenue, like, I guess the main question is whether or not deleted scenes are still considered canon. Because if you go to, uh, if you watch a movie or a television show and there's a scene that ends up on the cutting room floor, mm -hmm. you know, unless it's presented to you in some way, you have no way of knowing that it's canon. I mean, if they were deleted for a reason, even if sometimes <laughs> that reason is just for time. Mm -hmm. I feel like most of these were for time. Yeah, I think the, you're probably right. Some some of the seriousness of uh, like like Nora, it, I, I always want more Nora. That, that that's of clear. Absolutely. And, and this and all of these all of this work all of this material uh, is is trying. It, it seems to me like it's trying to find the the end, like the the exact tip. How far can we go with Nora? And I think in the production of these, they found it, and then readjusted and went down to the level that Nora lives at now on the main show for now, some of these. It's also possible that even though all of these scenes are canon and, and most were cut for time, that because the show has gotten so dark uh, for the end of Volume 3, Volumes 4, Volume 5, that maybe these were set aside so that they would be less tonally dissonant. Mm -hmm. Like it's all it's all still canon, but you have to remove them from the presentation because it's a different tone. It doesn't match tone-wise. Well, and I wonder if some of this stuff wasn't also something they created when the story was going to go in a different direction. Because mm. we get some, some of these deleted scenes contradict some of what we have for canon, and you can't really keep both. It's It's like... If you've ever seen the documentary behind The Emperor's New Groove, the Disney movie, it was initially oh, going to be Kingdom of the Sun, and it was going to be something completely different. It was, and it was very Prince and the Popper. It's exactly. Originally. They reworked the whole thing. I want to say it's called The Sweatbox. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm being serious. I, I think I, you're right. I, I think, think it's called is. The Sweatbox. It's a really good documentary. No, no, no. Wow. I'm being 100% no. serious. It's, and it's a lot of Disney animators going, this experience sucked. <laughs> but They even interviewed like, Sting. And like Cam Griffin says, Yzma's cut song is amazing. It <laughs> it's called really Snuff is. Out the Light. Y'all should look it up. Uh, that the fact awesome. that we don't get it, but we still get the wonderful performance that we do get from Eartha Kit, 
It's still a travesty. It's oh, I, guys, it's so good. I have to go. I know we've been waiting for forever to do this, but I have to go and listen to this song. But I mean, and in the original Aladdin, Jafar had three different songs that they were trying to work as a villain song, and they cut all of them, and then we got the reprise that we got. So something similar to that. I wonder if a lot of what we have here wasn't created in the process of workshopping the show. Like, we're going to go in this direction, and it was only at a later date that they went, oh, we changed the story, so this can't stay. So I guess what we need to do now, uh, we can't go through every one of these in great detail, but we do want to definitely, for season three, uh, the the episodes that have been released for this third season, we can dig into those a little bit more in detail. But broad stroke-wise, let's talk about seasons one and two. Mm -hmm. Guys, what was your main takeaway from season one? Oh, man. I like... There's so much. I, uh... I, can I, can <laughs> I go ahead was... and get the ball rolling? Go can ahead. I... Go for yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, you're the lead. Please do. Uh, I the For me, and I, I completely understand, again, talking tonally-wise, why this was cut, but I really feel like revealing that Pyrrha survived the events of Volume 3... Oh, well, then, then let's clear something up. Yes. Is, yeah. is less of... Is it... Is this parallel? Where does the line of Chibi uh, uh, this this end? Are they trying to keep it in? Sorry, if they try to are they trying to keep it in the um, in in everybody in their attires from the from a lighter time, or is this the stuff that happened in between season two and three? Is this the stuff that that happened in or, between? Not to get all film theory on it, but maybe what this actually is is a. Bre is Nora breaking from reality? Because we we That's do have that. Yeah. yeah. This this is this is Nora coping. <laughs> yeah. It's because there's some there are a few things that are shown within both seasons 1 and 2 mm -hmm. for Nora specifically that I wanted to talk to you guys about. Please. Because not only does she have this sense of denial that anything bad could ever happen to Pira, she's full denial mode to the point where she goes, nothing bad ever happened, ever. And it's almost like she's addressing the viewer directly. Then later in season one, she has one too many cups of coffee. And it's like she gets a peek behind the veil. And then in season two... It's a good pun, peek behind the veil. <laughs> hey! Oh, I hate myself. <laughs> she meant that... That's actually written here. I've got it in the show notes. She wrote it. Don't she say... Yeah. <laughs> She gets a glimpse of the Rooster Teeth store as it is. Mm. Now, here's the thing. Is Nora and her steadily decreasing mental state and her clinginess to Ren, is this a result of her losing her mind and that's in it's just a slow rate of deterioration or is it that she actually has gotten a peak outside of her reality into our own in kind of a never-ending story sort of way. Well, it's not the first time that Rooster Teeth has had something of a fourth-walling character. They've uh, made mention that Caboose is aware of the fact that they're all kind of fictional and they're all kind of in a video game, and that's why he is unmoored from reality and treats everyone around him like stubborn cats. So I wouldn't be surprised if they did that again with Nora, she seems like the type of Pinkie Pie Deadpool character that you could do that with a little bit and kind of get away with it. Hmm. Uh. 
<laughs> You're stewing a little bit, Mark. Yeah, I'm stewing Deep a bit. Deep thoughts. But, uh, somebody in chat, and unfortunately it did pass by, uh, somebody said, like, as, as we were talking about the um, the different <clears throat> leveling of Nora and seeing how far going with her character can go, what if we go as they go as far as to putting Nora in an RVB PSA? Oh. <laughs> like, as the limit <laughs> of testing the cross-reality, because... We know that there's a something that happens in every every Rooster Teeth show is there is that crossing over of its media somewhere. The X-Ray and Vav comic in uh, Tuxin's book trade, uh, and even the Achievement Hunter poster on the wall. Uh, well, there are like the the Chivo guys yeah. or something. Yeah, something, but not well, quite. Yeah. Not, yeah, and as we'll get into <clears throat> when we talk about season three, uh, certain. Potential actual establishment. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's earlier. Oh. Because Ruby is reading a Camp Camp comic and goes, ah, crazy kids. So does but, Camp Camp res- exist as a form of entertainment in the world of Ruby? You're, you, I'm still it's going. It's all connected. Sorry, I'm sorry. still going. Go ahead. Uh, Go the ahead fact, so the fact that uh, we have a printed account of Camp Camp to the point where in season three now we have Jean singing the theme song. Now, uh, what we know is the theme song. However, uh, Jean also is is kind of similar to Disney Princess David, uh, <laughs> and and I'm wondering if Ruby isn't reading a Camp Camp comic, but is reading a magazine article about this about camp, Camp Campbell about Camp Campbell, of which. Jean has visited. So as a result, Camp Camp and Ruby do exist in the same universe. So what would Jean's camp have been then? Would it have been like self-defense camp or oh, I, art I, camp? I think it, it would probably, sorry, sorry for a little bit of a spoiler if you don't watch a lot of Camp Camp, but it probably would have been a similar thing to uh, what Max is there to do. Oh! <laughs> and, then Ma- and then Jean forms a really good relationship with, with the counselor there. I don't know what it is, David. You just get me. <laughs> what? <clears throat> Now this is going further. What if what if Camp Camp is a Jean Arc production? A semi-biographical Jean Arc production where he writes himself as the <laughs> Sorry. Uh Paul Crowman just got me in, in check. Uh fifty shades of uncalled for. Um but uh, writing himself as the the badass kid character that he always wanted to be on the outside with the true feelings on the inside. That's now that's that's an entirely different conversation, a 100% serious and accurate and canon conversation for another day. Well, yes. that's just Hang something on. I wanted to bring up. Miraculous Corazon in chat says Jean did say that he and his sisters used to go camping all the time. Now maybe here's... he's writing his sisters into the other campers. I'm wondering also if this is a possibility. He went to Camp Campbell. They were flower scouts. Oh. Wait, wait! Didn't he? Didn't he say that he had a pretty good relationship with his sisters? Yeah, he did. But as we also say, he had to he had to purposely be annoying as a as a mechanism to survive. That's true. But even if you have a good relationship with your siblings, sometimes you really just have to lean on the song that gets on everybody's nerves. Mm. You That's know? very true. Or maybe it. even if he does have a good relationship with them, he's always secretly been jealous of them. So he unconsciously wrote them as sort of villain. 
villainous characters. Now, now again, well, we 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 have we have limited time. We, we do. Let, we do. Uh, and we as much as I want to deep down that rabbit hole, as much as I want to talk about Cam Camp all all damn day, uh, uh, <laughs> let's let's try to <laughs> stay do. in the Ruby deleted scenes, one hundred percent canon deleted scenes. There's uh, there's another there's another thing from season one that I definitely want to talk about, and that's the moment where there's sort of a very Shakespearean play within a play, and much like the world of Remnant fairy tale that we got, you know, very much added to the world to the lore and the world building i feel like this production of little red riding hood really gives us some good insight however i also understand the perspective of maybe this being a little bit too on the nose you know how we've never really gone full fairy tale with any of the given characters like little red riding hood and goldilocks it's always been little references do you guys think this play added to the world building or do you guys feel like it was too on the nose and too blatant i think it might have been a little too on the nose and i think that might have been why they cut it like the fandom is pretty smart we don't really need the show going symbolism for for us to get that's it that's fair that's fair uh yeah it's it Ruby fans are smart. They can put things together pretty pretty well. Oh, yeah. Or at least I hope they can. <laughs> Shout out to our audio listeners who can't, who can't see this. See the, the eyebrows waggling. But you should subscribe to After Buzz Animation on YouTube. Absolutely. <laughs> How about you, do Mark? A little bit of ASMR there. What do you, what do you think? Do you, do you think this play was too, too blatant? Um, a little bit. I, I think it was a, a little bit uh, on the snout, if you will. But uh, I think my favorite thing about it is is uh, the the characterization of Oz that that yes. we get for this is where he's a willing participant, but he still he plays along until he can make a power move. That's what that's what it seems like uh, Oz that a characterization that we're getting a little bit in season five where it's uh, oh sure yeah I'll help I'll be yeah. Yeah. But you're going to be in trouble later. Season two in particular, uh, a little bit in season one, but season two in particular uh, seems to be a lot more open about showing Oz as a very flawed character, which is something yes. we're, we're really only getting now in Ruby about how fallible he is and how, you know, he, he once said he made a more more mistakes than any man ever, ever alive. And now we're kind of getting to see how, what kind of mistakes he made. And so it's it's great that season two of Chibi is kind of leaning into that a little bit. Well, and again, I'm wondering if some of these weren't written while they were still workshopping the story, because this is a side of Ozpin that we don't see as often in, in, um, in actual Ruby, in the scenes that have not been cut. Improper volumes. Thank you. Yeah. I'm losing words tonight. So I'm wondering if it wasn't cut for that reason. Like, we're going to go this direction with Ozpin. Actually, no, we're going to go over here. All of this stuff needs to go. Right. Yeah, it, this is, just seems that uh, a lot of this stuff is, well, this character didn't get a chance to interact with this other character. Let's give them this interaction and... and uh, flesh out their relationship. Flesh out their relationship. Yeah. So, okay, we need to move on to season two. Do you guys have any final thoughts on season one? The one thing for season one that really threw me, and I'm honestly trying to figure out if this was going to be in the initial season one or if Rooster Teeth is just making us go crazy with conspiracy theories because they've been known to do that, is that moment where they treat the whole thing like it's been a sitcom the whole time. Uh. Like, 
See, that, I, is, mm. that is a weird bit of fourth walling. I think that was to throw everybody off. I think you're right. About the real underlying purpose of this series. I, I also kind of looked at it, maybe this is just my interpretation, but I, I looked at that as the episode of Scrubs where they, they created a laugh track. Like it was an homage to that particular episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm going off the deep end with that one. It's possible. Um, well, really, really quickly, um, while we're transitioning, Kane's child in, in chat says, uh, what about the chibi episode where the girls are calling Ozpin out on being oblivious while Cinder and friends are actively sabotaging the chibi logo? I think that's... That's the beginning of season two. Yeah, but but yeah. I think that's what, you, what you're referring to with the avant-garde nature and letting uh, the, the animators and the writers really get to express themselves mm-hmm. with the story material. Hey, you've got 30 seconds to get this point across. Well, here's how we're going to do it. <laughs> the only other thing I want to bring about up about season one is that I really wish we could have seen more of Torchwick's side gigs and his little schemes, his, his like phony business ventures, like Torchquick's energy drink, and yeah. then the the phony law firm he and Neo established. So those were all those were all fantastic, and I wish we could have gotten more of that in Ruby proper. But it's it's one of those things where this avenue allows us to see these relationships exactly. and. Like we're we're introduced to Torchwick and he he doesn't feel like uh, this throwaway criminal mastermind. Yeah. So he's just like, oh, they present him as this guy. But how did he get his start? Where did where did this guy come from? How did he how did he make his rise? And we got a chance to see that in the series. It's also fun seeing just how many wheels he had spinning at mm-hmm. the time of his demise. Well, and- God, I miss him. Yeah, <laughs> everyone does. <laughs> What I'm wondering about for these, because on one hand, you look at these deleted scenes and you get to see so much more about all these characters that we know and love and that maybe we're not seeing much of anymore. Mm -hmm. We haven't seen Neo in a while, but we've gotten so much development for her in these cut scenes. And so what the difficult thing to parse for these is how much of it was actual intended development and how much of it do we have to leave out of our understanding of the characters as they are right now. Like, how much of what we're seeing here no longer applies? And that, that's a hard line to walk. Yeah, I think <laughs> the, the Mercury scene <coughs> from this most recent <laughs> released episode... <laughs> Which we can't talk about yet because it's a sponsor. It's still technically only. a first thing, but I think the only... Oh, it's th- canon. The only, oh, 100%. <laughs> the only thing that kept... I think the only thing that kept that from being in the show was the fact that Torchwick is in that scene. I yeah. think that's the only thing keeping that from being in the show. It is one of the closest things to actual character. And even and even then, uh, uh, Mercury sounds just like Neil. Ugh, that was a delight. So that's one of those things where, is, is that Jean pulling from some... All right, we're, sorry, I'm off Camp Camp. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I'm it's off okay. of it. It's, it's not okay. here anymore. <laughs> we're never <laughs> off Camp Camp. Yeah. No. All right, let's we're move on over camp. into you season two. Camp. We're going to have to speed camp through season forever. two uh, in, if we're going to talk at all about the, the season three episodes. Before we continue on with the show, I wanted to talk to you guys really quickly about iTunes. Folks, thank you so, so much to everybody who's gone to iTunes to rate, subscribe, and leave a comment. We love hearing from you, and it is one of the best ways that you can help make our podcast more searchable for people looking for Rooster Teeth-related content. We like giving you a shout-out on the show, too, Uh, but if you happen to be in the international iTunes store, we cannot see that one, so please take a screen cap of your review 
and sent it to us on our Twitter at the rooster team. Also, follow us on Twitter if you're not already doing so. Uh, we also have a Discord, which you can join in the link in the description below. Personally, my favorite threads in there are the art thread and the horror thread. And But honestly, no matter what thread you join in the conversation, it's a really good time because it's filled with a lot of really great people. We love you guys. <laughs> and if you're looking for other ways to support our podcast, you guys can also support us on Anchor, and you can head on over to our Tea Public page, where you can buy t-shirts of the funny things that we say, and you can get merchandise for our scripted audio drama series, Welcome to Vale. I, I absolutely love, love, like, I absolutely adore the design that Mark created for our Welcome to Vale logo. Like, it never ceases to make me happy. Um, so go check that out if you haven't already done so. But again, we cannot say thank you enough for all of the ways that you guys support our podcast. You guys are the best. I feel like the main thing from season two to take away that we haven't kind of already touched about is that we we get more scenes of Ty and Crow and what their relationship is like raising two girls. Mm -hmm. And what I found very interesting, and this isn't something that I necessarily would have inferred just from watching the regular volumes, is how much of a rivalry they actually have. How much they actually care about one-upping each other or looking cool. You know, it doesn't really surprise me given their respective personalities. I though I feel like Crow instigates most of it just by being there and being himself. See, it makes me question even more what happened with Team Stark. Like what scenes of Team St There's still so many questions about how that team fell apart. This, oh yeah. I think this is the avenue to, you know. This is a place where where uh Deleted concepts, developing concepts, developing characters get a chance to flourish and live and show. Like, what if, uh, since we're already in the beginning of season three, but what if season four is the flashback season where we finally get to see some of that stuff flesh out? Now, because we've, we've been getting a lot less, uh, if at all, we haven't been getting any, um, excuse me, um, what do they call it? Uh, the, what was the history? World of Remnants. World of Remnants. Yes. We weren't getting the, a lot of World of Remnants, and then all of a sudden, this series pops up? Yeah. That's I, I feel like that's not a coincidence. A little too convenient. <laughs> um, so, yeah, maybe maybe that's something that we can look forward to more here in Season 3. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about, and it's a through line throughout all of Season 2, is the Battle of the Bands and the sort of climax that yeah. we get with that. I didn't realize any one of our characters besides Weiss was mm. musically inclined. Even Torchwick and the rest of the villains really seem to have an affinity for music. And I'm amazed that uh, this is the most non-hostile interaction with our villains that I think we've had in normal Ruby or in the deleted scenes. And not only that, and I, it's going back to season one a little bit, unless I'm mixing up my seasons, but learning that the Grimm can speak, yeah. that changes everything. Well, not even oh just God, that, yes. but they canonized the shadow people yeah and how how the the shadow people what what the shadow people are and the fact that they they're they acknowledge that and they're not they're they're, they're actual beings they might be clones this might be a kingdom hearts-esque nobody situation shadow situation where the strongest people have shadow versions of themselves you know what's... what if this is what happens to people who get killed by grim or 
or guys, what's a little bit more unsettling to think about is that the Shadow People existed in the world of Ruby for the first couple volumes. We get this, and we finally get acknowledged that, yes, those are weird-looking people. It's weird that they're silhouette-shaped and that some of them are look kind of look like us. And then in volumes four and five, and I think three as well, the Shadow People don't exist anymore. What happened to them? Oh, we found them an island like Menagerie, and they just shuttle them all off there. And Is it's another cover-up! Oh, my God. Dude! That's upsetting. That's pretty upsetting. The world of... I'm I mean, sorry. I covered my mouth at the microphone. You know... That's pretty upsetting. I bet Atlas is behind this. Because they're all... They're getting ready to put up their walls and have a total lockdown. Of course they would cart off a group of people that doesn't conform to their ideals off to another but island. But are they, are they getting rid of them? Or are they, uh, are they supplying them with weaponry? Oh! oh. And joining the army? Are the shadow people inherently dangerous, or were they just purported to be dangerous in order for this mass deportation to occur? See, this is what happens when you don't watch Ruby Chibi. You miss this huge, all this yeah. canon stuff. We're getting, we should have talked about this in our preview oh of gosh. season six episode. We definitely should have. I'm kicking myself. <laughs> See, Kate's child, the shadows got shipped to the dragon continent. That's what I was just oh about gosh. to point out. And yep. they're, they're being added to uh, to Salem's army. They're being fed to the Grim as they spawn. Oh my god. Baby animals are hungry. That's monstrous. Uh, that's gr mm, that's I don't like that. Monstrous. Um, well, I, I will say, uh, going back to the Battle of the Bands thing, I do think that um, this world is so focused on art and color and, and stuff, so I think it might be one of those things that we're learning about the world where it's just a part of life where somebody knows how to play an instrument. <laughs> or how to sing or, or something like that. It, it may just be a part of the world that they're starting to hint at that we haven't gotten a World of Remnant at, and because we didn't get a World of Remnant about it, we got an entire season of Ruby Chibi about it. Uh, Kane's Child in chat says it ties into the theme of the priority of creativity on Remnant after the Great War. I love that. That's fantastic. Well, well said, both of you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you, chat. <laughs> um, uh, we already talked about uh, Nora. I guess um, we can talk about the fact that the world of Remnant seems to have very similar holidays to our old world. They, yeah. uh, Halloween is something that exists in in this world. And it's Ruby's birthday. Yeah. Aww, which was so Which sweet. Miles confirmed. Miles confirmed that that is canon, which is part of the reason why we're talking about this whole stuff is exactly. because there yeah. is canon in this. They say, if that's canon, what else in here is was taken as canon? Welcome to the show. Yep. Everything Ruby is Busters. the answer. <laughs> Everything is the answer. Well, hold um, on, really? Sorry, before we get so far away from, from the Shadow People, Wilfred Cartano or the Shadow People were just rats jumping off the ship before <gasps> Beacon fell. They, they knew, knew that something bad was going to happen, so they were like, yo, we're going to that dragon continent. <laughs> and they didn't warn anyone. Mm -hmm. Oh my god! So they are inherently evil. <laughs> uh, completely changes my entire view of the first couple seasons. We're changing the show to Conspiracy Watch. Like, Rooster Teeth Conspiracies. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna have to it's redo this graphic. I'll have it done by tonight. <laughs> just post it on there below uh, 57. No, we and, just... And Red versus we just 13. need six pieces of paper. We'll just slap it on the TVs. At the now it's Conspiracy Time! <laughs> Someone I'm, get the yarn. I'm starting mm -hmm. to feel like with the, the cross-media Easter eggs, I'm starting to feel like a little bit like 
it's a J.J. Abrams production in that, like, I'm looking for... Tagarado's in charge of everything. At, at one point, uh, the junior detectives were talking, heard something on the radio, and they referred to it as a 4 7 er Like, that, that's a very... That's, like, that's a deep red versus blue cut. I'm telling you, they're going to start putting slusho and everything. Like, call it Dusto or something. <sighs> Everyone's going to be drinking it. Oh, we'll start getting the... I mean, well, every... Isn't it weird how every... Oh, this, huh, this is going into a conspiracy thing. But I just find it weird. Isn't it weird how every uh, major animated Rooster Teeth show has had some sort of a gag with a coffee cup? Yeah. A little bit. Because we've, we've got Oz with his, we've got Max with his nope, and then we've got from the base back at, at, at RVB with the... the uh, uh, God, there's thir- 15 seasons. <laughs> You'd think I'd remember something. Um, was, was it uh, the the director's cup? Is that what I'm well, thinking? Well, the director's of? cup, but then there was also a thing where they were trying to sneak and the cup falls over and then nothing happened. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot we can <laughs> dig into. Okay. Hold on, hold on, Steve, really quickly while you're paying attention. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and oh, a special uh, welcome to all of our late viewers <laughs> that don't get that call back. <laughs> I guess the only other thing I want to bring up is that for a brief moment, they allowed in the nondescript holiday uh, episode that they did, they allowed Torchwick a very brief moment of humanity. I was wondering if they were potentially setting him up for a redemption arc that ended up ultimately getting scrapped. I wonder if this wasn't their initial idea for how he was going to die. (laughs) <laughs> via heart attack. Yeah. I've experienced joy for the first time and, and goodwill. And I could it. And physical <laughs> heart enlargement. Yep. <laughs> that my, the, my now smoldering carcass couldn't handle. Look, magic exists on this idea. show. So. <laughs> All right, let's, let's dive more into uh, season three for, for the very short amount of time that we really have left. I think just really quick. Um, so, yeah. Why is it that in these extra bits, we still get things that end up on the cutting room floor? I wanted to see that bank robbery. Well, we yeah. see it piece by piece by piece. Is it, that the through line for this season? I think this might have been, uh, this might be a what if sort of a thing if the girls didn't break up. If they stayed together, what they could truly be capable of, and it's crime. Wait, multiverse? Like, there's another, an, uh, like a turn left scenario where. They, they chose to stay together instead of go, go their separate ways, and this is just a universe where that happened. I think you're right, because it seems to also include arson. And we saw Yang break up a club in the yellow trailer, and this just seems to be the much more extreme version Guys, of it. I just realized that episode that we talked about earlier with Nora uh, and the cup of coffee, she saw through multiple dimensions all of which presented a different scenario. Every episode of Ruby Chibi could be a different universe. Cam Griffin and Chet says, Ruby Chibi is Earth 2 Ruby. So we're in some Cloverfield Paradox territory A little bit. Spoilers. Well, now I'm not. (laughs) Spoilers. Come on, Katie. for like three weeks. (laughs) But yeah, every single one of these episodes could be a different universe. Somebody, PepsiFan24 says, damn it, Barry Allen. What? (laughs) Well, no, but Ruby's semblance is speed. (gasps) What if every time she activates it, she changes the the entire landscape of the world a la the Speed Force and arrives in a different area? Which is Ruby Point. 
Which is why Crisis on Infinite Remnants. Which is why oh, the art sorry. style is so different because this is just a, a, a universe so far removed from the the one that we're accustomed to that this is just how everyone looks. This was like just a different evolutionary path. Oh my I gosh, guys! All right. We, All right. I did feel did like, we just crack this? I think we did. I oh think we cow. did. So I think now's the time. Uh, do we have any final thoughts on what we have for this season so far? Uh, the before... revelations tonight have been insane and will change the course of fandom discourse forever. Five ever. I, Five ever. I ship uh, Cinder and Ty now. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm also happy that we have Karen, sorry, Cardin back. <laughs> yes. Because I, 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 asked, I asked Adam, are we ever going to see Cardin again? He said, no. But... <laughs> Here we are, and we've got Card Winchester back. All right. And I guess his name is Karen in this Earth 2 version. All right, guys. Uh, if that's our final thoughts, then I suppose now's the time to say, hey, we've had a lot of fun here tonight. Uh, we've had a lot of fun getting to talk about Ruby Chibi, but there's something we want to talk to you guys about tonight, and that's commitment to the bit. This, at this very moment, all across Los Angeles, there are thousands of comedians doing thousands of bits that they are all committed to who don't have audience members. So please, if you have a loved one who's doing a bit, support them and laugh at that bit. Please laugh at that bit. Please laugh <laughs> please at this laugh. bit. Please laugh. Please, please clap. Please clap. And so if they ask you for feedback, consider. Constructive criticism. Nurture that bit. Love it. Nurture their love of comedy. So yeah, last week we were like, oh, we've got we've got a week, we've got a week to fill. Let's talk about Chibi. No, 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 no. Let's not just talk about Chibi. Let's talk about Chibi. now the coolest thing is was we started talking about this on Sunday, and my favorite response that we got is from Ruby Chibi writer Tom Alvarado. Who, in response to all of this, just left the thinking, the, thought, the yeah. pensive emoji. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening to this special bonus episode of Ruby Redux. If you enjoyed this trip in the Wayback Machine, hit up our Twitter and Discord and let us know if you'd like to hear more. Mark, where can people go if they want to keep up with you? You can find me on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram at MarkBDonica. Katie? I'm Katie. You can follow me all over the social medias as well as on YouTube and Twitch at Kiaxet. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. If you like reactions to Rooster Teeth related things, they live on that YouTube channel. I am also on another podcast called On The Point. It is an Overwatch and Overwatch League podcast and you can find that on Anchor. Be sure to follow our co-host, Stacey Shuttleworth, at Stacey Shuttles on the Twitters. I'm Megan Salinas. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at TheManguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. Uh, I also have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams, where Katie and I uh, talk about horror things. And I do a Lost retrospective podcast called No Love Lost, where my co-host Will Link loves Lost, and I don't, and we talk about it. Again, if you haven't already done so, join the whole team at the Rooster Team on Twitter. Join our Discord in, uh, via the link in the description below. Uh, thank you guys so, so much for everything. This has been Ruby Redux, and now it's time to say goodbye.